Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I'm here with yet another high demand coach and that is Evan Sifanakis. He's an award-winning accredited executive coach. He's a leadership development specialist. He's a management consultant. He's an online visiting lecturer at the EU Business School in Switzerland. In other words, he really knows his stuff. Now he's also the owner of Executive Coach Asia and specializes in helping professionals to develop the skills and strategies that they need to succeed. With a wealth of experience managing more than 500 employees across eight different countries and leading companies to expand across the Asia Pacific region, he is well equipped to help his clients navigate their professional journey. And he's here to share with us today. Evan, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Uh, and uh, I you know, can't wait to jump in and hear more about your book and what you do. But before we get there, I'd love to pause for a second and just hear your story. What were you doing before coaching and consulting and how'd you ultimately end up making the leap and why? Nice to be here with you, Scott, and thank you for the invitation. And I'm excited as well. And um, I, I, I come from a practitioner's background. So I was a manager, I was a CEO, I was a director. So my story is I went to school in Greece, as you probably understood from the surname, and then I studied in Switzerland. My first um, trade was uh, hospitality business management, and then I worked in Switzerland for three years, and then I went to the UK. I did my master's one year because I had the experience before, and then once I graduated with an MBA from Leeds Metropolitan University in the UK, now it's called Leeds Beckett, I, I worked for a company. I started in sales and I got promoted to a team leader. And then after a year, I got promoted and I became the branch managing director. Um, I was responsible for two offices, around 75 employees. I was there for almost eight years. That was from 2004 to 2011, almost 12. Um, so there I, I was really, you know, strategized and executed the expansion and all kind of operational aspects of the company, including recruitment, sales, business development, customer service, human resources, um, and administration. I had a great team behind me. Um, daily training with uh, with the sales guys, you know, um, really intensive kind of environment, uh, training, coaching, um, which was kind of, it came natural, okay? It wasn't part of my job, but I kind of, I suppose, I always like to work with people and develop people. So I did that for seven, almost eight years. And then I was headhunted. I worked, then I jumped, I worked for a financial company um, for six years. Um, my last year, I was based out of Sydney, Australia. 
And uh, in this company, I kind of directed the operations of the business within my assigned regions, established vision, mission, strategy, and annual targets, and then managed um, sales leadership of around, at the time, you know, when I, when I left, I was around 300 personnel across six regional offices. Wow. And then I decided to become a coach because of that experience. Because I believe that then, you know, I worked with different companies and I realized that, you know, it's all about people at the end of the day. And you could have, as a company, you could have a great product, but if internally you you don't have the right culture, if your culture is toxic, I think you will struggle to scale because you will have a lot of internal motivational issues. And I've also seen companies which the product is a bit average, mediocre, but they kind of scale and they scale fast because internally they know how to manage people. Mm. And um, I went into coaching. I went to training. And that's number one. So I kind of went from a practitioner's point of view. And actually my wife also played a, a role because we're thinking what to do. And then she said, hey, I think she said to me, I think, you know, you have that experience. You're good in talking. Why don't you the first thing? Why do why don't you become a speaker or a coach or a trainer? And then that's how the idea was, you know, uh, was kind of set it in. And that's where it all started. And I'm doing it since 2017. OK. And I'm excited. And, you know, the last couple of years have been challenging because from our perspective, I shifted everything online, all my all my training and learning and development and all my you know training and coaching. I think now now it's like 95 percent. I do it online, which yeah. I actually now love it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing that. Right. Me and you right yeah. now. Yeah. But um, but, you know, for the first six months, uh, two years ago, uh, it was challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, I'd love to hear, what would you say now that you're coaching, now that you're doing this consulting, you're working with co uh, companies all over the world, what would you say is some of the most important work that you're doing at the moment? Well, look, a lot of engagements lately, it is how do I become a better leader? How do I manage remote and hybrid teams? And how do I create a culture, a high-performing team, a culture that can execute? Yeah. So, and what I, I you know, what I like, what, what is my passion? I like to see when people develop. Mm. I like to see the transformation. And I think, you know, you have two things. You have information and transformation. I like to work with my clients and help them to transform. Because if you really need information, you don't need me. You have YouTube. <laughs> you, you have this chat uh, GPP AI, but if you're really looking for transport from tra for transformation, a coach can really help. And a coach is there. And I'm not trying to sell it, sell you coaching or sell coaching, but it's true. It will keep you accountable. And I think this is one of the biggest benefits: is a coach to be there to keep you accountable and to help you. Um, to support you and to help you come through and to help you uh, to help you succeed. Yeah. And sometimes in my coaching, yes, I have my framework and everything. But sometimes my co in some of the coaching sessions, I'm just there as a sounding board, letting my clients talk and bring out their frustrations and their challenges. Yeah, I think that's one of the 
more underestimated values of having a coach is that place to come and talk with somebody that's not just like going and complaining, you know, because uh, if you if you talk to your spouse or you talk to your friend, it ends up just being like your negative side of the story. But there's a there's this, you know, this phrase is overused, but there's a safe place for you to go and process through information. And when you have a good coach to also be called out on your crap, you know, whenever like when you're wrong, having someone be able to say, hey, have you thought about, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, I've, I've never thought of it that way. So otherwise, you just find people who will justify the way you're feeling. And it's really not helpful. And you talk about a toxic culture. It's one of the ways that a toxic culture comes from the outside in. So I love that you brought that up. One of the things that you said is something that I think is just top of mind for a lot of people right now. And that's particularly, how do you manage remote and and virtual employees? And again, you've had to make this transition in your own business. You're helping others do it. What would you say are some of the the ways that that challenge is showing up now? Because it's changed a lot over the course of the COVID pandemic. So let's start that. How is it? What's that showing up like now? It's getting better, but the I think the key word here is trust. Like, this is really what goes through managers, C-level executives when it comes to remote and hybrid work. Do I really trust them to work from home when they are working from home? So the question is, are they really working when they are working from home? So... Because there is no, because in a remote work setting or in a hybrid work setting, there is no management by walking about. Right. So how do you make sure that your people are productive, engaged at the same time while they are working from home? And the the key here is, you know, you could have an engaged employee that is not productive. And on the opposite side, you could have a productive employee that is not engaged. So the approach that you should take as a manager is totally different. So trust, I think trust is the biggest thing here. And the worst thing that you can do as a manager, as a C-level executive, as somebody who is managing people, is not to not trust your your people, but the worst thing you can do is to show them you don't trust them. Mm. Because the minute you show someone you don't trust them, it's like a personal relationship. The minute you show someone you don't trust them, I think you kind of lost the game. That's so good. Um, I'm trying to, I've got like a thousand questions, so I'm trying to pick the right one. Uh, so you made this statement that you can have a, an engaged employee is not productive, productive employee that's not engaged. And for a lot of folks, I know that engagement is basically happy productivity, right? It's it's managerial code for we want you to get a bunch of t- stuff done and not complain. You know, and so uh, and that's a, the most negative connotation on it. But that's happening behind the scenes and under the surface sometimes. Yeah. So talk to me, slice and dice that a little bit. What does an engaged but non-productive employee look like? And how is that different from one that is productive and not engaged? I, I like what you said, you know, get the job done without complaining. That's the ideal world, but we are dealing with people and it's a challenge, right? Um, so, okay, what do I mean? You could have an, you know, can, can you imagine? You, you, I think we all, we, we all had an employee who is engaged. What do I mean by engaged? They love to work with you. They love the company. They love the industry, but are not productive. Maybe they're not closing sales or whatever the other tasks are. So it means they need training. They need on-the-job training, training, shadowing, 
learning new techniques, I don't know, whatever, negotiation skills, whatever. So they need training because they are, if they are engaged, it means their heart is in it. Mm. So, and on the opposite side, you might have this kind of employee who is, they are really productive. So, you know, they're perfect. They're always on time. They always attend the meetings. They do the job, clock in, fine, clock out on time. They're never late, but they're not engaged. And they might resign tomorrow. And you're like, wow, what happened? Where did that come from? You know, this kind of employees are yeah. a bit quiet. Like they do everything. They're so professional. They do everything right because they don't want to give you a, they don't give you a right to say anything against them. But sometimes all of a sudden they just resign because they're not engaged. And they, look, there are some employees that, uh, you know, whatever you do, they will just be not engaged. But maybe, you know, maybe you fail to sit down and ask them, hey, Scott, how, how is your week? How is your week has been? You know, how is life? What are you struggling with? What did you enjoy the most this week? What do you enjoy the least? How can I support you? You know, uh, how's your I don't know, wife, girlfriend, partner, boyfriend, whatever, when you go home and um, you're a bit late, a couple of days. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think you need to get to know your people. Yeah. So, it, and it doesn't matter. You, know, you might, you might listen to this podcast now, you have a new business and you, you only have three to five people. I think it's the same applies if you're managing five people or 500 people. The more you know about your people, the more you can, the better you can manage them, I think. Mm. Yeah. So, how do you, how do you explain that? Because managerial fatigue, you know, by many measures is kind of at an all time high, right? Just leadership burnout across the board. People are just tired and it's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. So uh, for that, that manager is sitting there saying like, I I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm exhausted. Now you're telling me you want to talk about something that has nothing to do with work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say to, to someone who's, who's in that place that doesn't feel like they have time to do that? Yeah, we always talk about managers, 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 but it's, it, at the end of the day, they are also humans. Uh, so it's not easy. And I think if you like to be a manager, if you like to work with people, you will find it easier during this, you know, you see my book during this VUCA times. Um but if you are struggling, what I would suggest you do, you you take really you take a you take a week off, because you know what I mean. Like really, because you know, look, sometimes we say do this, do that, do this. But sometimes you just need to be in a different environment and be surrounded by different people for a week, just completely off. But I mean, completely off, like not checking your emails, not working one hour every day, like completely off, and do the thing you like to do. Like for me, for example, I like to exercise daily for like 45 minutes. I like to pump some iron, to walk a little bit, just to bring it, it, it really relaxes me. And then I go home, I take a shower. And the moment I come out of the shower, I feel fresh. I'm ready to go. Some other people, maybe you can take a nap. You know, the Spanish uh, siesta, it's, it's a good thing in the afternoon. You're kind of recharging yourself for Maybe you can watch whatever motivates you. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you like to play chess or I don't know. So, but do the things you like to do a, a little bit every day. And yeah. if you really feel you can't go more, just take a, a week off or something and, and go on holiday and be in a totally different environment. Changing yeah. your environment will change your thoughts. Because look, there is, okay, whatever I say behind the screen, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's easier said than done. I understand. 
Um, but really, you need to, that's and that's where um, Scott, I think, self awareness comes into place. You really need to understand and to to know yourself and to and to and to speak up. You know, go to your direct supervisor, go to your manager, and say, "Listen, this is what I'm facing. Um, don't 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 keep it." Yeah, you know, let yeah. it. Yeah. So good. So good. So um, uh, there's another question I have for you here. And and that is, uh, it's, you know, it's my favorite of the show. It's where we get the name of the show. This is the, the creme de la creme, if oh, you will. Right. So, uh, so tell me this, what would you say is the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish every leader, manager, CEO, founder that's listening today knew? The biggest secret, bro. Wow, that's a that's a difficult question. You should have you should have said that to me earlier. I think is to to be honest with yourself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like to be honest with yourself, because lately they have been, you know, you go on LinkedIn. I'm quite active there, and think you are as well. And you you see all these posts about how to manage, what managers should do, remote work, four day week. But at the end of the day, we cannot forget that. Business owners, managers, C-suites are also human, and they have been under tremendous pressure over the last couple of years, especially these middle managers. I call them the sandwich managers, the ones that they need to keep stakeholders, you know, keep you know shareholders happy or their boss happy and at the same time. They need to keep the people below them engaged and productive. So being a middle manager nowadays is not easy. So I think is the biggest secret is, um, you know, uh, it's not a secret, is to be honest to yourself, to know yourself, and to take the time off if you need, and to ask for help if you really need. And I, again, I know it's not e- it's easier said than done, but, uh, you know, take, take that step forward to help yourself. Yeah. Because sometimes if you're a manager, nobody is there to help you. You have pressure from both sides. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a unique challenge being in a place. And and one of the things that I've found, I, I call it the backdoor theory, right? And that is if you go into any restaurant, most of the employees come through the back door, but all the, the uh, customers come in through the front door. And if you're not careful, you'll only ever see the restaurant from the backside, from your perspective, but your customers are all doing it from the front side. And, and I think it's so common for us, you know, frontline workers are mad at management, you know, because they see the front door. Uh, top level leaders are mad at management because they see the back door, right? And no one recognizes, hey, there's this perspective that's trying to hang on to both of these worlds and both of these realities at the same time. So I love that you highlight that because it's it's helpful for us to kind of take a, a, a pause for a second and just say, hey, what does the world look like from their perspective? You know, and, and you know, just highlighting the humanity of that middle management layer and their real people, real needs and real desires, I, I think cannot be said enough. All right. Uh, so what I'd like to do, uh, I got another question for you, and then I want to hear a little bit about uh, your book, and uh, and you can explain the VUCA acronym for those of us who don't know it. Um, but before we get there, uh, I want you to take off your coach consultant hat, put on your CEO hat, and talk to us a little bit about what it looks like, the next stage of growth for you as a leader uh, and for your business. I want to support more people. And uh, I want to support companies and people. I have a, a few assignments with different companies to develop their learning and development um, uh, department to engage people. And I see a lot of need right now to IT companies 
and uh, tech companies. Because I don't know, but the tech guys, the IT guys, I think they have a different uh, way of thinking. Maybe they think more one plus one equals two. So I think there is a there, there is a demand there, um, and and is a great is a great environment to work with. Um, and 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 I want to support as many as many people as possible in 2023. And uh, what was the other question? Uh, what challenges do you think you'll have to overcome to yeah. get there? I think everyone, the biggest challenge is to be adaptable. I think adaptability is a, is a trait um, that we, need, we all need to have over the next few years. Mm. Or like to be able to adapt, to think fast on your feet, to think, to think fast on your feet, and then to, to take action, to be adaptable. I'll give you an example. One of my clients, one of my previous clients last year from the US actually, an IT company, what he did in the middle of the pandemic, the schools were closed. So due to the nature of his work, they are in IT. A lot of his staff cannot work from home. They need to be in the factory, okay? They need to assemble stuff, design, and so on. Now, what he did, he transformed due to the fact that the schools was closed. He thought he transformed his biggest conference room into a classroom. He hired a retired teacher. Then he the the, the employees that had kids, school kids, and the fact that they were closed, the schools were closed. The, where can the kids stay? They cannot stay home alone. I need to go to work. So you, you understand what he did. Mm -hmm. So the parents will go to work and they will bring their kids with them to attend for free, to attend school and breakfast and lunch in the same environment. So the parents don't have to worry and the kids are safe. So, wow. You know, sometimes a lot of coaches will learn a lot from our clients how to do things. So that's an example of sitting down. Okay, what is the situation? What is the challenge that my employees will face? How do I solve it? Mm. And sometimes you have to think, yes, okay, look, you need to look, you need to think short term. You need to you need to manage your finances. I understand that. But sometimes you need to also to think long term. He didn't think, okay, so he hired the teacher, he paid from his own pocket, breakfast and lunch was provided, he bought all the equipment, and for three months. His employees had nothing to worry about. How cool was that? Awesome. And then he told me, Evan, he told me, Evan, my email is full of CVs. He developed that. That helped him locally for his company reputation and brand name. He said people want to come and work here. That's fantastic. Oh, what a great story. So tell us a little bit. You've got a book that at the time of this recording is coming out. By the time we air, it'll have been out for a, a few weeks. But yeah, tell us know. a little bit about uh, you know the book, uh, what VUCA means, uh, and, uh, and where folks can find it. It will be published uh, next week, first week of March. That's the plan. We are putting the final um, touches together. The uh, VUCA means volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous. And I think those four words will stay with us for the years to come yeah. because the world of work is changing a lot uh, because expectations, both 
from employers and employees is changing. Mm. So Leading in VUCA Times is a book that I wrote in the middle of the pandemic. And I it's a it's a 40, 40 smaller chapters. The whole book is around 250, 200 and thing will be finalized, will be around 270 pages. And I share personal stories about management, leadership, all the mistakes I made. Um, you know, I think on, is on chapter seven, the minute when I was in the UK that I lost 50% of my staff because I was coming across as too arrogant, too aggressive. It was all about me, the lessons I learned, how I re, uh, how I bounced back and all that. And it's just personal stories, some stories of some of my clients as well, and recommendations and suggestions on how to um, not only manage better, but at the end of the day, as a manager, feel less stressed. Mm. And it's coming out and it's going to be in all the major uh, online publishing, Amazon and all that. So it's going to come out, uh, I think, in around seven weeks' time. And uh, once it's published, I will uh, uh, self-promote myself and the book on LinkedIn. I'm going to put the link there on on my profile. And uh, for the people that they wish to to take a copy, it will be a paperback as well as a Kindle. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. So I know some folks have been listening and they're like, yes, like I'm managing and I, you know, I'm feeling the burnout. I'm feeling the pressure of, you know, keeping everyone moving the same uh, direction. I've got to manage all these remote folks, but, you know, and they're saying, Hey, how can I find more out about your work and, and connect with you? So how can, how can folks do that? How can they find out more about you and your work? On LinkedIn, I'm quite active there. Um, you can all, all, also, so if you type Evan Zivanakis, I will come up. You can connect me with me on LinkedIn or drop me an email at evan at executivecoachasia.com. Uh, so yes. Fantastic. We can connect, we can connect, have a chat and, uh, take it from there. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, fascinating conversation, Evan. So happy to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Uh, I truly appreciate it. And for everyone listening, your time and attention mean the world to us. It was such an honor to have you. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.